Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Today we hear together the words of Romans. I'm reading from chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to hear that scripture reading several times in the next few weeks. Those two verses from Romans will be the text for each of the sermons during this stewardship emphasis. Hopefully, by the end of four times together, we'll have memorized this text. But we have made it to October, which means the stewardship season is upon us. And part of the reason for using just these two verses for the whole month is that they are just so chock full of preaching about stewardship. It reminded me of the old uh, Prell commercial where they say you just put a little bit, little dab, and then all of a sudden there are just suds everywhere. Well, well, these two verses have, have stewardship themes just waiting to foam up all over the place. And so, for the rest of October, we're going to give ourselves to these themes. The the four themes that are emerging from these two verses also reflect Second Ponce's core values, worship, discipleship, mission, community. One God is one week's focus. That's today's theme. That's worship. Our our combined commitment to the one true and living God. Next week, one mind, discipleship, shaping our minds to follow the teachings and claims of the gospel. Then, one voice, our unified mission to help the human hurt that's all around. And then we'll conclude with what we're calling one second Our our commitment to each other, the the important commitment we share to the community that's here at Second Ponce. So this month we're going to focus on our stewardship, our giving, our serving, our praying, our blessing, and it comes together around these four shared values. But today our focus is on worship, the central act of the believing community. I have, I have a clear first memory of being in a Sunday worship service. I, I, I remember it so clearly, my earliest memory of being in worship. And sadly, my earliest memory had nothing to do with preaching. Instead, it was a clear memory of sitting next to my dad in the pew and taking in his level of engagement and seriousness. 
a guy up front in a wide tie would stand up and pull a hymnal and do this. And my dad would stand and start looking for the number and he was ready to sing. The preacher would say, let us pray. My dad would stop and get still as the base of an oak tree. He'd close his eyes, focused on prayer. Well, obviously, I didn't have my eyes closed during that because I wouldn't have known that his eyes were closed. You see that I was not quite as focused at that time as he was. But my earliest takeaway from worship isn't the music, the preaching, the praying, but this enduring impression that it was something to be taken seriously. My dad and I could cut up at the restaurant, in the stands at the ball game, but this hour had his full attention. And I learned that there was something at stake. Usually now when we talk about worship litany, we're we're talking about the order of service, the worship bulletin. But in my childhood, there there was an unwritten worship liturgy that started before 11 o'clock on Sunday. On Saturday night, we would get out our church clothes. My dad would shine his shoes He would shine mine if necessary. My mom would supervise uh, my two sisters getting their clothes ready for Sunday to make sure they didn't pair their cowboy boots with their crinoline dresses and so forth. But, But we were getting ready for Sunday. There was a sense of anticipation. And this this pre-church litany included getting our Bible ready and our Sunday school quarterly, which Frankly, I usually skimmed in the car on the way to church. But before getting in the car, we got out our offering envelope. And in those days, there were little boxes on it that you had to check. We had to check the little boxes on our offering envelope. Bible brought, check, yes. Bible read daily, better not check. That would be kind of like lying in church. But you check off the little things then put the offering in the envelope, lick the flap, and you were ready for Sunday. My offering was usually in those days about a dollar. But something was going into that envelope because we were not going to church without a pressed shirt and shine shoes and an offering. As I I said, I learned that there was something at stake on Sunday. But frankly, as a young child, I didn't get it. Sunday was about strange practices and strange words. Holy Ghost. Washed in the blood. It was all strange to me. But I knew it mattered at some profound level. And that Sunday demanded our best. Our most keen attention. All right, let's be honest. You and I both know I wasn't sitting in the pew like uh, Beaver Cleaver sitting next to June on Sunday listening to every word of the preacher. I was probably kicking one of my sisters with those nicely shined shoes. But very early on, 
I had impressed on me that worship was of such vital importance that any flirtations for Sunday's time had no chance. We were going to be in church. And that when the organ started, there was something going on in that hour that was unlike any other, and it was no time to play. It was time to focus. Well, then I came to understand. I was sitting in one of those services, 12 years old, not paying attention at first, I'm sure. I was probably trying to do the Braves line up in my head, you know, Daryl Evans at first, Mike Lum at second, and so forth. Or I was probably thinking about my classmate, Hope Fisk. But somewhere in there, something extraordinary happened. With all the limits of a 12-year-old mind and vocabulary, I had an experience of God's love God in Christ found me, the veil was torn, the glowing presence of the divine broke through the rafters of that simple church building and called my name. I was enveloped in some kind of mystery I couldn't grasp, caught up in a tingling wonder I have never known, in the grips of a love that went clear to my toes. I had encountered the God that my parents and my Sunday school teachers had been talking about. And all of a sudden, this worship stuff started to make sense to me. These adults are so focused and hopeful and ready and open because they've encountered God in this place too. And they know it can happen again. It, it, it can't be manufactured. God doesn't reveal on schedule or demand. But we can still construct a service to glorify God. We can still come and open our sails to the holy call of God in our lives. And sometimes, sometimes, in the context of shared worship, God opens the curtain and winks. In the context of gathered worship, we have experienced the nearness of God's grace again and worshiped. We know it can happen again, but more than that, we're gathered to offer our gratitude that it happened once. That the Almighty God of creation called our name even once, which is enough to merit our worship over and over and over again. We have been saved by the love of God in Christ. We gather to offer up our adoration and our gratitude together. There's no, nothing more central to our life together than putting all else aside to glorify the God who granted us this life abundant. But as central as it is to the Christian life, I find worship kind of squirrely to try to define. <laughs> Made me think about uh, St. Augustine saying, what then is time? 
If no one asks me, I know. If I wish to explain to him who asks, I know not. Some things we know, we, we just don't know how to put language to it. I, I think I know what worship is. I have worshiped. But if you ask me to define it, explain it, I guess that's why I tell childhood stories. I'm not a very accomplished theologian. But, but here is my favorite definition written by someone else. It, it, this is a definition by William Temple, who was Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1940s. For worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness, the nourishment of mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration. My parents did not hand me an offering envelope on Sunday morning because the church needed my dollar. They didn't weigh out whether the church was ahead or behind budget. I knew nothing of of payroll and upkeep and Sunday school literature and the like. What I knew was that it was my act of worship, part of what it meant to be present Part of what it meant to be in, to be surrendered, adoring, worshiping. As an act of my surrender and my worship, I would not walk into the holy place without my offering. My my parents were putting in 10% of their combined incomes, but teaching me that my giving was part of my worship of God too. Second Pont still mails out those little rectangular offering envelopes, though ours don't have the little boxes to check. And the, the act of putting it in the plate is an act of worship just as sure as taking the bread and the cup are acts of worship. But even in the pandemic, even before the pandemic, I became one of the ones in the church who started to give online, electronically. I would encourage you, if you have not already, take a look at the website. It is so simple to set up and do. It is pandemic-proof. It's vacation-proof. Every month, my gift to the church is drafted. It is the first draft of the month, symbolically, It is the first thing taken out of my checking account. But for those of you who give online, when we're back together, I want to encourage you to take one of these cards from the pew back. We we made these in recognition that a lot of people do give online, and our giving is an act of worship. So this is an opportunity to put into the plate something that says, I give electronically. 
so that we can all participate in that act of giving, placing something in the plate as a part of our shared worship. Former Mercer University president Kirby Godsey uh, used to say when he was fundraising for the university, he'd say, I don't want you to give until it hurts. If it hurts, you haven't given enough. I want you to give until it feels good. If it hurts, you still haven't given enough. Well, I'm not asking you to give because we won't be able to buy Play-Doh or goldfish for the children's ministry. I'm saying that if you're not pledging, giving, supporting your church, then you have not fully given yourself away to the worship of God that is so central to our shared life together. As I said before, worship is not a spectator sport. We're in. And our gift is a part of what it means to be in. Hear the Archbishop again. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness, the nourishment of mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration. Our worship, our our submission, our quickening, our nourishment, purifying, opening, surrender, adoration. And we come every Sunday with an offering envelope in hand because it is our act of gratitude. It is our worship to do so. This table that's been set in front of me is a symbol a symbol of so much of God's goodness and Christ's love. And in these elements, we we do see so much of what the archbishop outlined for us. There's holiness and nourishment and beauty and love and purpose. And our response is adoration. For our sakes, Jesus gave his life away that we might inherit life abundant and eternal. And if we let our imaginations go to the depth of this sacrifice, to, to really understand the surrender that this table represents, there'd be no way to respond with anything but gratitude and adoration. In other words, if this table ever got hold of us, we would never think of walking into this place without our envelope. How can we, how can we come to this table of sacrifice not willing to offer our own sacrifice as well? And the night before Jesus sacrificed for us, He was in an upper room with the disciples, and they were preparing for the Passover meal, but Jesus surprised them. He took a loaf, blessed it, broke it, and he said, this is my body for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And then in like manner, he took the cup saying, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you join me in proclaiming the Lord's death and sacrifice? This is the bread of life. This is the cup of salvation. Let us pray. O God, we stare at the elements of this table, aware of your brokenness and your presence. in adoration of the gift of life eternal. And might you make in us contributors to your great project to reclaim this world through the love that this table represents. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.